Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Young climate activists have won big in Montana. Could Illinois be next? This is Reset. I'm Natalie Moore, in for Sasha Ann Simons. Montana doesn't consider the climate impacts of furthering fossil fuel projects. And young people sued the state, saying this violated their constitutional right to a healthy environment. And a district judge agreed. This lawsuit is the first of its kind and sends a clear message that courts and states have a role in fighting climate change. We discussed this further with two youth climate activists, Natasha Badia, a senior at Hinsdale Central High School, and Danica Sun, a senior at Illinois Math and Science Academy. They co-lead Chicago's Fridays for Future Climate Strikes. We also spoke with Reset Sustainability contributor Karen Weigert, who leads Loyola University Chicago's Bomb Heart Center for Social Enterprise and Responsibility. They gave their reaction to the ruling. I mean, this is the first decision of its kind, the first time a youth-led climate lawsuit has been brought to trial and passed. So my initial reaction was really just so overjoyed and happy that something like this is happening. And especially in the climate space, where there tends to be a lot of negative news and there's a lot of little climate anxiety, hearing positive news like this is really empowering. And it shows everyone out there that progress is happening and progress is possible. Yeah, um, I would say that this definitely made me feel very hopeful. Um, The Montana climate victory kind of sets a precedence for future climate cases that are going on. There's the um, Juliana v. United States case. That's the federal level uh, climate case that's going on as well, as well as the ones that are going on in Hawaii. So it kind of gives me hope that those will also be future climate victories and that the courts actually do have a major role to play in the climate, um, in climate cases and in climate overall. And Karen? Yeah, it was an incredible decision. Uh, and as these local leaders and activists have shared, it is unprecedented, but it is probably the beginning of courts and different kinds of actions. But just to see the young plaintiffs really carry the water and tell their stories about how climate is already impacting their world and how they want to change that, uh, it really sets a wonderful tone for the positive future. Karen, can you outline for us what the ruling states and what was so unusual about this case? Sure. This is a Montana case. So this was really about what is in the Montana state constitution. And there's a quote in there that it is supposed to provide the right to a clean and healthful environment. And so these young plaintiffs brought a case saying that they thought the state was not doing that. And there's are additional state laws there, and it's particularly the Montana Environmental Policy Act. And the court said uh, this, the, the young plaintiffs are right. This is not constitutional. The state must take into account, account climate actions when they're approving projects. And what does this mean for outside of Montana? Talk about the message it sends to other states and perhaps Illinois. Yeah, this is a case that was about the Montana Constitution, so it's a state case, but there are other states that have similar language there, and it also really signifies a potential shift in the role of the courts in fighting climate. So the idea of young individuals talking about the importance of climate to their future and that being now backed in the legal system, it's a whole new step. Danica and Natasha, have you all are you all planning to reach out to the Montana youth if you haven't already done so? 
I think it'd be amazing to talk to them. Actually, Tasha and I ran an event in the past. It was a screening of the movie Youth vs. Gov and a discussion with the producer of the movie and two of the plaintiffs. And it was amazing talking to those two plaintiffs, and we would love to talk to even more in other cases. Yeah, we'd definitely love to like um, host another event like that. At the event that Danica just spoke about, we had um, 30 youth activists in person along with 100 other um, activists online. And that was kind of just like a Q&A panelist event. And it was definitely really empowering for youth to um, see other like the plaintiffs um, speak to them about how they can make a change more effectively. And let's take a step back. How did you two get involved in environmental issues? Natasha? Yeah, so I actually got involved after my 10th grade um, honors biology class. We were watching a documentary about climate change, um, specifically about ocean acidification. So I'd always known that climate was a really big issue, obviously, but I hadn't realized how significant it was and how... um, little action was actually being taken. Um, So I decided that I wanted to make a change. I started researching environmental organizations that I could become a part of, and I found um, It's Our Future, which is an organization that Danica and I are both part of. It um, works with youth in the Chicago land areas and gives us a lot of opportunities and resources um, to kind of join more environmental organizations and really make an effective change and to make a difference. It looks like you both are wearing t-shirts about It's Our Future. (laughs) Yes. Um, So I'm wearing a t-shirt about It's Our Future um, and then Danica has one on Fridays for Future. By the way, um, if you want to join It's Our Future, I would highly suggest doing so. Um, It's for um, youth who are in 8th grade to 12th grade, and you can find us on um, IOF Youth on Instagram. Danica, what is Chicago's Fridays for Future climate strikes? So our Fridays for Future climate strikes are usually in accordance with all the other chapters around the globe. So we have over 200 chapters in all these other countries, and we all strike consecutively on the same day. And this year, our focus is specifically ending the fossil fuel era and fossil fuel financing. So our strike is on September 15th. It'll be starting at 4 p.m. at Pritzker Park. And we'll be visiting many buildings like Chase, Army Corps of Engineers. We'll be ending at Klesinski Plaza. And our main demands will really just be ending those fossil fuel financing. And Friday's the Future in general was started by Greta Thunberg. And the main action that we take is just striking and coordination across many different chapters across the nation in the U.S. and just across the globe. What kind of well, Tasha, what do you want adults to do? So for adults, I really want adults to take actions that they promise um, for like the adults who are the decision makers. Um, Listen to youth voices. The youth like we want you to hear our voices and um, what's been really common um, these days has been what's called youth washing. Um, So that's when organizations kind of like include youth in decisions but it's just for show. They're not actually listening to youth voices. So what I want adults to do is to listen to those youth voices and keep the promises that they make. So if your corporation says you're going to phase down fossil fuels, phase down fossil fuels instead of focusing on profit. Let's bring another voice into the conversation. Howard Lerner is the executive director of the Illinois, excuse me, Environmental Law and Policy Center. Howard, welcome. Good to join you. Thank you for having me join the conversation today. 
Howard, we know that the lawsuit in Montana can't easily be replicated, but Illinois state constitution does have similar language about a right to a healthy environment. Tell us about Article 11. Yep. Article 11 of the Illinois Constitution was enacted by the Constitutional Convention in 1970. And some of the delegates were very forward-looking. 1970 was the time of Earth Day. And they said, we will put a new provision in the Illinois Constitution called a right to a healthful environment. And that's pretty clear, and it's very powerful. The first few years after that, the Illinois Supreme Court, I think, did a pretty good job saying this was passed as part of the new Constitution. It means what it says. Over the next 15 to 20 years, it got cut back. Uh, There haven't been many significant decisions by the Illinois Supreme Court on Article 11 for more than 20 years. And we think this is a time that where climate change concerns are so real, the science is clear, the impacts on Chicago and Illinois and globally are so significant that Article 11, the time is right for the Supreme Court to take another look at this and move forward with better protections for people in the state of Illinois. Karen, what's happening now in Chicago to fight climate change and what do you think the focus should be? So luckily for us, there is a great deal happening in Chicago, but also there's a great deal that still needs to happen. And uh, when we look at Chicago and we look at it in the context of Illinois, where you have a statewide law, uh, CJA, Climate Environmental Jobs Act, you have background of things moving. So you have energy efficiency retrofits that have accelerated in Chicago. You have growing access to renewables. You have explicit programs that are trying to bring solar to every neighborhood in a solar for all program. Uh, And you're lucky enough to have things like the CTA system where the trains already are electric. So we have a lot on the ground and a really incredible urban form where you're able to walk to a lot of places. But there's an acceleration that's needed to be inclusive of all the voices throughout our neighborhoods. Some neighborhoods are disproportionately impacted by both carbon and air pollution that often come together, particularly from exhaust and fossil fuels. So there is a great deal that is yet to come as we look at every neighborhood having both the jobs as well as then the reduced energy use locally. So a lot to come, but a foundation here. Natasha, um, what do you think about what Howard just shared on that Article 11 and what's possible in Illinois? Um, I think it's really like... Um, inspiring that there are like again um, already these provisions that have been put in place like this is a movement that has been going on since um, 19 again 1970 the um, foundations of the environmental movement I completely agree though that I think the Supreme Court should take another look at um, article 11 especially because we do um, like Karen mentioned there is a lot going on in Illinois when it comes to environmental like sustainability but as always there can always be more that can be done when it comes to protecting like biodiverse areas as well as developing um, more like sustainable technology. I understand you both are going to the United Nations annual climate change conference this fall as part of its our youth delegation. Danica where is that Uh, conference and what do you hope to do there? So the conference this year will be hosted in Dubai and there I really hope to personally speak to those adults, those decision makers in power and urge them to take action on their responsibilities and duties. All the adults around us, all the people around us, they have their own responsibilities and duties they need to live up for whether that's as a parent, they have the duty to protect their children and provide a safe future for them or in this case, the government has a constitutional duty to provide their 
constituents with a safe environment. So really just pushing those personal conversations, making the youth voice heard, because in the end, the decisions that are made there, those directly impact the livability of my generation's future. Howard, what would it take to get a related case here, like the one in Montana to Illinois? Well, first of all, a group of lawyers and a group of clients need to bring this case. And at the Environmental Law and Policy Center, it's something we've been looking very seriously at. Uh, And it would require the Illinois Supreme Court to look at some of its older decisions and say, you know, those decisions were made at a time when perhaps climate change was not as real and scientifically proven as it is today. And the need for action perhaps 25 or 30 years ago wasn't as clear an evidence as it is very much today to everybody. The courts aren't going to act as the legislature. The courts aren't going to implement energy efficiency programs. The courts aren't going to implement solar energy plus storage. What the courts can do in Illinois and other states is say to the state decision makers under the state constitutions, you need to take actions in Illinois to protect the right to the healthful environment that's enshrined in the Illinois Constitution. And the sorts of practical actions that can be taken and should be taken. Karen mentioned some of them. But, you know, let's look at energy efficiency and so many homes and businesses and buildings in Chicago that we waste energy. You know, and if we make buildings more energy efficient, what that does is it reduces pollution, it saves people money on their utility bills, and it creates jobs and it keeps money in our economy. We need to look at commercial buildings and industrial buildings and have flat roofs. Solar plus storage makes a lot of sense. Again, good for jobs, good for our economy, good for the environment. It's a smart climate change solution. So the courts can be a very important prod saying that the political decision makers need to comply with the Constitution and provide a right to a healthful environment. But then we need the cities and the states to step up and accelerate the good things that they're doing, which is what all of us have been saying in different ways. Thank you, Howard Lerner, for uh, joining us. He's president and executive director of the Environmental Law and Policy Center. We still have youth climate activists Natasha Badia and Danica Sun, who are part of It's Our Future, and Reset Sustainability contributor Karen Weigert. Uh, Natasha, what do you hope to get out of that climate trip to Dubai? Yeah, so as Danica stated, I really want to be a representative of youth voices across the um, U.S. So this is a this is a very like um, this is an opportunity that a lot of people don't have. And I think it's amazing that as a high school student, I have the opportunity to, to go represent the voices of like youth in my community to the decision makers at the U, um, U.N. Climate Conference. So um, I think that's just like a really amazing thing that we are able to do and along with the learning that the climate conference will offer into like an insight of how decisions regarding climate policy are made um, I think that's really what I'm most excited about how are you all using social media to spread climate awareness Danica there's a lot of education going on with social media the rapid spread of very current up-to-date information Tasha and I, we both run the Fridays for Future and It's Our Future Instagrams, and we are always posting content on there, letting people know what actions they can take locally, and also current news like the Held versus Montana case. So social media definitely plays a lot 
in the education aspect, but it can also lead to the feeling of overwhelming information with a lot of it being negative, which especially for youth can lead to climate anxiety. So just making sure that you're filling your feed with both positive and negative climate news. What are some things that, I mean, these are really big issues that are not going to be solved by individuals. But that said, what are some local things? What are some things that young people locally can do? Well, I think the beauty of climate solutions is that everyone can tackle it from their own aspects. So everyone listening to this conversation right now, you each have your own unique set of skills and passions and talents, and you can all tap into that unique skill set to take action in your own way. This lawsuit shows us people can take action legally. Engineers can take action, whether you're a teacher, a parent, a student, whether you work in medicine, everyone has their own path to taking action, and they can use their own unique set of talents and passions to do that. Yeah, I'll just add for like youth specifically, I would really encourage you to just get involved. Um, there, like for social media, social media can be a very powerful tool in helping you get involved in climate advocacy and um, involved in climate movements. Um, there are a lot of movements, environmental movements out there that they want your voice. They want to hear your voice represented um, in like in decision making and in policy. So you, regardless of whether you think you can't make an impact or what your interest is, whether you're interested in um, like technology, business, law, there are places for you in um, climate movements. That was Natasha Batia, a senior at Hinsdale Central High School, Danica Sun, a senior at Illinois Math and Science Academy. They co-lead Chicago's Fridays for Future Climate Strikes. Sustainability contributor Karen Weigert and Howard Lerner, executive director of the Environmental Law and Policy Center. This episode of Reset was produced by Linnea Dominic. It was edited by Meha Ahmad and Micah Yason. If you like this conversation, subscribe to our podcast. We've talked with high schoolers about how violence in their community affects their academic performance and how COVID has affected their school experience. And we recently talked financial aid tips for rising seniors who are applying to college. Hit subscribe now and get the Reset pod in your feed every morning and afternoon. That'll do it for Reset. I'm Natalie Moore and for Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk again this afternoon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.